You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We're the Locked On Hornets podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on, on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods and follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I am just bathing in all of the praise everyone has showered me with, with my prediction that the Miami Heat are going to win the NBA Finals <laughs> in seven games. I am looking like a genius with that selection. And it was evident. Um, it really was evident up until they scored 25 points that the Heat were well on their way. And then after that whole 25-point thing, uh, the Lakers clamped down and it got ugly even when the players were healthy, even yeah. when the Heat still had their three best players not banged up. Uh, it was still pretty ugly from then. And I'm just laughing at my tweet. I actually put my prediction in writing, which was a problem. I should have just had it be within the imagination of everybody listening to this podcast. You should have deleted the tweet that no, no one had bothered to sque- screenshot it yet. No one had bothered to screenshot it, Walker. And you could have gone on about your business. And instead, what you ended up doing was making yourself look foolish. For shame, sir. For shame. Yeah, I do look foolish after that game one performance. And I kept trying to talk myself into, well, I mean, we've seen when that, uh, I think it was maybe the second or the third Heat Spurs series that we got. Um, or I mean, the second series, I, I don't know which one it was, but when we had some bad games, do you remember that Heat uh, Spurs game or series where we got awful games, but the Heat mm-hmm. would blow out the Spurs and the Spurs would blow out the Heat, vice versa? Yes. I was thinking, well, hey, man, that could happen again. The Heat could come back and they could win a game against the Lakers after getting destroyed. But then Gordon Dragic goes down. It doesn't look good for Dragic to, even if he comes back, I don't know how effective he's going to be. And then we see Bam and Jimmy Butler all banged up. I mean, I really am disappointed not because I, I do want a good finals and I want a competitive finals. I mean, yes. even if you didn't think the Heat were going to be all that competitive with the Lakers anyway, it certainly isn't going to happen when you have your top three scores on the bench or banged up. Yeah, no, you're not going to, again, it's not going to be all that good. And uh, quite honestly, like the th- biggest thing that just, just, I have to offer mea culpa. Um, my wings win rings um, analogy. Mm-hmm. may not necessarily work. Like, you kind of need a functional big to win, and the <laughs> Lakers are getting, again... Are you really about to do this flip-flop thing after abiding... I mean, after after praising uh, all of the wings that could help you win the championship, and after being the person, being the pastor at that church, now you're saying that you're going to go to a different denomination? Oh, no, I'm not saying I'm going to a different de- denomination. I might just edit the Bible a little bit on that one. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is the this is this is going to be volume two. I, I really, but Anthony Davis is different, man. Like I heard, true. I heard Stu Gotts on the Dan Levitard show ask Stan Van Gundy about this. Is there a comparison for Anthony Davis to anybody? I mean, has there ever been another Anthony Davis before? And Stan Van Gundy couldn't offer anyone. He actually said the first name that popped into my mind. And they play completely different. Kevin Durant, you know, just being the tall guy that can shoot, that can handle a little bit, but they're they're still different. That's an awful answer, anyway. I I really can't. Is there anybody you can come up with that that's a comparison to KG? 
Anthony Davis. That's not a bad KG. one. KG. That, that's not bad. I, he couldn't handle like Davis did, but no. I, I think there's enough difference between him and KG, but that really is, that's better than anything that I came close to coming up with. So Kevin Garnett's a decent one, but still, man, like even, I don't think Kevin Garnett was shooting threes like AD was, and no. and, and he didn't have the handles that AD did. And, I, and I'm as big a KG fan as you'll ever find. I mean, I, I absolutely love Kevin Garnett, but still, I no, think I that Anthony Davis is a little unique. No, I like I, I I agree with that. Like it's different, but KG in terms of just the positional versatility, and then what they just did on defense, man. What yeah. they did on defense and how they change your game. And again, Giannis is sem- somewhat similar in the same way where. KG is really, really good at what he does. And Giannis is also really, really good at what they do on defense. But it's it's just, and not Giannis, but AD, but just the offensive game, the offensive versatility, what Kevin Durant did, I'm sorry, Kevin Garnett did is just like, I think that's the closest thing that we can think of. Because again, KG is is going to be the blueprint for all these bigs going forward, and I can't see, I can't wait to see what happens out of, after. Well, all the this. one big that you were actually okay with was Nyeka Kungwu because mm-hmm. of the Bam Adebayo like qualities. Mm-hmm. And yesterday was not your best evidence that that nope. should be the selection. If you think nope. he could be a Bam Adebayo, of course I would take Bam any day of the week. But it's funny to see how people were saying, "Man, Bam could really slow down Anthony Davis in a different way." That didn't happen, and Anthony Davis was just a beast, and he was a complete monster out there on the court in game one. Exactly, and the other thing, the other crazy part to this is Dwight Howard was useful. Yeah, like, I know. Dwight Howard <laughs> was really kind of useful in that that finals game, and I was just like, okay, what do you do with this? Like, mm. quite honestly, what do you do with this? Because, again, that's the spanner in the works for everyone that go, that decides, hey, you, we need to go smaller. We need, need to go quicker. We need to go more position-based. A team like the Los Angeles Lakers that have two stars and a whole bunch of dudes that play physical in your shirt, in your jersey defense, that's, again, that's the hack. That's the hack to small ball. Yeah. That's the hack right there because even if you do, even if basically if you have those guys that basically cause all that gravity to pack the paint, you're going to give open shots for Danny Green, who shot, who managed to have one of his better shooting games of this postseason. KCP showed up. There was a lot of guys that showed up and hit wide open shots. And that's because of the gravity of LeBron and AD. And, like, again, they've managed to hack small ball. I'm not going to say it's one of those things sustainable, but it's a really interesting equation now that you have to think about if you're building a team going forward. All right, let's talk more about the Hornets. After all, we are a Hornets podcast. But first, I do want to mention DoorDash. It's an app that brings you food you're craving right now, and they bring it directly to your door. And ordering is extremely easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting because they want to keep communities safe that we operate in. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and $0 delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and you can enter code NBA. that's all one word, zero spaces. Don't forget the code NBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. We have a special appearance from Doug Branson. He's mad at us. Hear from him next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. 
Segway. Yeah. It's called a radio Segway. Well, and and I saw I'm feeling Josh better, by the way. If you didn't notice, I didn't want. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a private person, so I don't talk about my health issues often on the show. Um, but what I, now I'm healthy, and I think people are going to notice a change in me today. So I just wanted to kind of go, go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, that Doug is unleashed on this show today. So watch out. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I opened up the show with this yesterday that people think we hate the third overall selection, that we don't like it. Some of the best news to ever happen to the Charlotte Hornets in the last 20 years. We just are so dismissive of it, and we want to get rid of the good thing that happened to the Hornets, the best thing since in the last 20 years. And Doug, not even is he just going to ridicule us on Twitter, he now has actually created a soundbite for us, for us to play on our own podcast, disparaging us. Nada, why don't you play the message from Doug and how angry he is at our evaluation and what we think of the third overall selection. Hey guys, Doug here from Nashville, a uh, longtime listener, first time caller. Uh, my question is simple. I just want to know why you two gentlemen seem to hate the idea that the Charlotte Hornets were blessed, hashtag blessed, with the number three overall pick. I mean, all I hear from this show is how can we trade it? How can we get rid of it? This three pick is a disaster. Are you kidding me? The first time that the Hornets get lucky in the draft since they returned to Charlotte and you guys want to get rid of this pick? I mean, this is absolutely insane to me. You guys understand, right, that franchise-changing players can be drafted in the top three picks. Like, it's not impossible. Let me just run down quickly a list of third overall NBA draft picks just off the top of the dome. How about Bradley Beal? Remember the Hornets had an opportunity to draft, or the Bobcats then had an opportunity to draft Beal and didn't? Uh, He's doing pretty well right now. How about James Harden? How about Al Horford? How about Adam Morrison? Okay, forget that one. How about Carmelo Anthony? Hey, Baron Davis, the Hornets drafted three overall once upon a time in the year 1999 and got Baron Davis, okay? How about Chauncey Billups? How about Grant Hill? How about Anthony Penny Hardaway? Remember that guy? He was pretty good. I'll give you one more. How about 1984? How about the greatest of all time? How about Michael Air Jordan? I rest my case. Quit hating on the third pick, except that the Hornets and Mitch Kupchak, the greatest general manager in Charlotte Hornets history, is going to select at number three, and he's going to bring a superstar named LaMelo Ball. Okay, I'm out. I'm just surprised he did all of that at the top of his dome. Not a pretty no, impressive that he knew all no. the third overall picks in NBA history. No, you know he didn't. He Stu God's that thing. How many how many recordings do you think he did? He probably did at least three or four of them. Three or four at minimum. <laughs> what was the editing on that, right? Like he yeah. said, hey, do you remember Penny Hardaway? He was pretty good. No, I'll give him credit, man. To name about 25 different third overall picks in NBA history, that is impressive. Um, even though an Adam Morrison snuck in there. That's yes, exactly. Uh, everybody else, he was he was like he was like 95% on all of the third overall picks that hit, and Michael Jordan certainly help them as well. Um, look, man, we've let our thing be known about the third overall pick. I love the third overall pick. It's good news. I'm happy for it. 
there are so many options. I don't want everybody to limit themselves on what they could possibly do. You only have eyes for one individual player that you want them to use that pick on. And I'm just trying to broaden everyone's horizons. Don't color inside the lines. Make that picture a little bit more beautiful and make it abstract. We're the Pablo Picasso and we want you to recognize our art, Nada. We want you to do that. Yeah, see, again, you're fancier than I am. I'm just like, look, why are we just shopping in the one, again, why are we just shopping? Why are we just, I'm not saying, I'm anti-TLC. How would I put this, I put it that way. I don't want to just, again, stick to the rivers and the lakes that I'm used to. I want to chase those waterfalls. (laughs) I want to chase those waterfalls. I Mm -hmm. don't want to stick to the lakes and rivers that I'm used to. I want to move on. I want to roam. And again, you know what? I'm just saying, if Miles Turner is there, Miles Turner might be a really good player to add. I'm not against it. If there's another younger player that we have contract contact, I'm sorry, contract control of for a very long time, then hey, I'm down to do that too. What I'm saying is... I'm a player, baby. I want to spread. I want to see what all my options are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want it, to. Again, if this nice girl wants to give me an, give me her phone number, I'm not going to say no. I'm a player, baby. I'm a player. Um, yeah, if you're going to make that TLC reference, the other one I'll make is that Doug is absolutely a creep that wants to come in and infiltrate <laughs> the podcast. There's no doubt about that. Let's talk about Miles Bridges. Nada, we kind of glossed over him after he had some comments, but Sam Perley has a write-up on Hornets.com that talks about some of the advantages, and he also mentions James Borrego's comments on Miles Bridges and how confident he is in him. Let's go through some of Borrego's comments on Miles. He said, mm-hmm. quote, I think with Miles, it'll come down to consistency for him. He's had a heck of a run probably before the all-star break where he was playing his best basketball. He has it in there. He has the ability, the size, the skill set. He just has to put the consistency together. That really just comes down to work, understanding his role, his usage. The more I watch him, the more confidence I have in him. Sam Perley did mention that stretch that Borrego had uh, said in his comments. And Sam Perley wrote that um, that stretch for Miles Bridges um, in uh, he in average, was, stretch. So it was 13 way. games. It was 13 games from January 28th to February 28th. So basically, you're just looking at a month's time. Bridges averaged 18.2 points, 6.1 rebounds, and one and a half assists. And he did that on 45% shooting from the field. And he did that from uh, on 35% shooting from the three. So we saw that 13 game stretch. But like my uh, like Malik Monk. It just wasn't enough for you to be extremely confident in him. And we know about the defensive lapses, although I do think it is a legitimate excuse that Miles Bridges does draw quite a bit of tough mm-hmm. defensive matchups for him. If I were to give him some leeway, that would be certainly something there. I mean, I think we know what I think about Miles Bridges, but that was a nice stretch of basketball for him. And I think one of the things that he did do well, uh, they were feeding him in the post and Miles Bridges did a good job when smaller guys were on him feeding him in the post at the small forward position. Um, you know, he was able to get a lack of size on him because he still is a stocky guy. And I thought he did a, a really nice job of, you know, scoring once they did feed him in the low post. And so maybe there was something that could be unlocked there. Hopefully the three point shooting gets a lot more consistent and just his overall plays, overall defense. Hopefully that gets more consistent, just like James Borrego is discussing. Well, the one thing I would want to ask James Borrego about his comments, like the more I watch him, the more I have confidence in him. I want to ask him at what position. Because if we're talking about the three, I don't see it. If we're talking about being the four, then yeah, I can see a, a Miles Bridges that scores 
18, six, and then again, 18, six in like almost two assists a game at 45 and 35 from three. I can see that being a consistent showing up player. I just wonder with every, like with the way this roster is built, and especially if you're going to experiment with PJ and you're going to experiment with PJ and miles at the five and four and five, I just wonder how sustainable something like that is. And are you going to be able to grab enough rebounds in, Where's the improvement in that? Because obviously this is going to be a big year for Miles Bridges. This is, again, third year. You're supposed to make some of your bigger jumps and you start to figure out who you are supposed to be as a player in your third year. So when we start having these conversations of what is Miles Bridges, this is a big year for him. And uh, again, fair or unfair, the long lapse in time may have helped help or hurt him developmental wise. And I just want to see what this looks like going forward. Yeah. When we talk about who has the biggest year ahead of them, you know, I know that's kind of a loaded question, but we, we obviously talk about there being a lot of pressure on Malik Monk because Mm -hmm. his rookie contract is running up and the way that he ended the season, it was so weird that he had such a great end of the season, but it came to an end abruptly because of the suspension. And then of course the pandemic, we never saw him get back on the court. I think it's a big year for Devante because of the rookie Mm -hmm. scale contract coming to an end. And you don't exactly know whether you want to bet big on him or not. And of course there's a lot of pressure on Devante to do the good things that he did last year. Where does miles bridges compare to a Malik monk compared to a Devante Graham and maybe some of these other guys that you might find also having a lot of pressure on the roster. I kind of put miles bridges as like, he might have the most pressure. Because again, this is one of those guys, he's one of those guys. Now we're going to start determining whether or not we actually pay him. He is he going to be the guy that gets the big extension first? Or again, is it Devontae first, then Miles? Or because again, this is his big year. This is his time to solidify who he is in the play again, who he is as an NBA player, if he's actually a four or if he's a three. We don't necessarily know. This is the time to establish himself because, again, at some point, you got to start talking contract extension with him because, like everybody else, his rookie stale contract is starting to come up in about, I want to say, year, year and a half, two years. So, yeah, Borrego, just going to some other Borrego comments from Miles, he did talk about his defense and he said, um, well, actually, excuse me, he said, talked a little bit more about the offense. And he said, on the offensive end, decision making is big for him, getting in the mix, attacking the rim, making plays at the rim. Ultimately, that's his strength right now. Anything he can do in the paint area, the teams that have the paint threats ultimately have the best shot to win games in this league. Miles has the ability to put pressure on the rim with his size, his athleticism, and his force. Now he has to become more consistent being that for us. There's that consistency word again. And just real quickly, want to talk a little bit about the defensive end comments from Borrego. He did say, we gave Miles more responsibility on the defensive end and forced him into some better habits last year. He's aware he's a ways away from where we need him defensively, but he's making strides there. There was mm-hmm. a responsibility given to him and earned by him to defend at a higher level last year. That has to continue. Miles would also talk about my off-ball defense. I feel that's gotten better. Communication being a big part of that. Um, so let, let's, offensively, I mean, not. A, I think when you look at him, what he can do, you know, th- there's some driving skill there. We've mm-hmm. talked about the lack of handle for Miles. I don't think that's really there with Miles. But just straight line driving to the rim. He gives you a spin move that's pretty nasty every mm-hmm. now and then. He goes to it a lot. I mean, I, I think that's that's kind of the thing that you expect. It seems to be his go-to if he needs to create space, but um, you know, miles, miles does have that driving ability 
And if he can continue to finish, you know, at a, at a high level, or if he can finish at a high level going forward as well, then yeah, that would be something that I think really could bring out the best in Miles. And if he can just become that thirty-six percent shooter, then that's a solid starter with, with an NBA team that you're looking to build. You know, other stars, of course. But it, but him shooting that kind of way from three, him finishing at the rim and just being a solid team defender, which he does still have a ways to go, then then that to me is a win with what Miles Bridges, um, we've evaluated him the first two years. If he's just a solid starter where those numbers go up, I, I don't think that's too much to ask. I think that's there with Miles. And if mm-hmm. that can be there, then that's the kind of win I think you get with the 12th overall pick that you traded. Yeah, I, I think I do believe that, again... Once you start picking, and again, this is one of my big things. Once you start picking outside the top five, if you get a solid role player in your draft, in that any draft slot after five, then I think you've won. I already thought the Hornets have won. Now, granted, they didn't get a Michael Porter Jr. They didn't get a Shea Gill, just Alexander. And again, we, we won't go over that fact and we won't relitigate it. But the Hornets have already won for, I think he's a solid starter. I don't. Like the things that we're asking him to do are just natural growth points. Was he given a little bit too much too soon last year? Yes, at the beginning of it. And then as as time went on, Borrego adjusted. Again, Devonta adjusted. The whole team adjusted. Expectations were adjusted. And they made the proper adjustments. And then we saw for 13 games that he adjusted and we saw the best of Miles Bridges. It's not entirely crazy that we see continue to see that going forward. So I'm I'm kind of here. I'm kind of excited. I also, like I said, I think he's going to be the guy that has the biggest leap next year. And we're going to start saying we're going to start have this conversation. It's going to be like Michael and Prince. Who do you like better, PJ or Miles? That's where it's going to be. <laughs> That's where it's going to be at right now. All right. Well, I, I don't I don't know who is who in that, but give me PJ in a tier of his own. I'm going to tell you that right now. Big big fan of PJ. We'll see exactly where both of those guys are next season. Want to talk to you guys about RockAuto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. They always offer the lowest prices possible, rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear. Kind of like what airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login. They have a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. And you can go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. Write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. More finals takes, more Hornets discussion coming up next on the Locked On Hornets Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. All I have to go off of is write-ups and highlights and some video tidbits on Twitter because I was not able to watch this game. Tidbits, like tidbits? That's a, well, it's a great word, tidbits. It, I mean, that's just a, a funny word, tidbits. I want to use it every single day. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, real quickly, I don't know if we're going to have enough time to get to the things that I teased. I did want to ask you about this, Nada. There is a comment going around. Uh, from Kyrie Irving on head coach Steve Nash and basically just who the head coach of that team is in general. Did you see what Kyrie Irving had to say? Oh, yes, I saw. I saw and I loved all of it. Because again, like I told you off wax, Walker, 
this is going to be like Lord of the Flies at the Nets. Again, everybody, again, we're going to talk about <laughs> just again, if you're, I just can't imagine if you're Steve Nash, why would you sign up for this? Why would you um, legitimately sign up for this? So Kyrie Irving on the head coach said, uh, well, real quickly, I'm trying to look up this comment, but um, he had a couple of comments that were interesting. One first, he says that this is the first time in my career I can look down and be like, that mother effer can make that shot too when discussing Kevin Durant. And of course, <laughs> Kyrie Irving did play with one LeBron James back in the day, and he hit the biggest shot, one of the biggest shots in NBA Finals history. So that's something interesting from Kyrie. But then he also talked about how he doesn't even really feel like there's a different head coach with this team because Kevin Durant sometimes can be the head coach. And then sometimes I can be the head coach. And that's going to be fascinating to see how Steve Nash deals with all of that. Now, I don't know if I expect huge problems here and maybe I'm just naive, (laughs) but I think Steve Nash, I know it's funny. You can laugh all day. I imagine other people are doing that too, (laughs) but I, this is this is what both of them wanted, though. I mean, Steve Nash does know Kyrie Irving well. We we know about him knowing uh, having a good relationship with Kevin Durant. I mean, if you're going to have somebody be the head coach of that team, I want someone that has a good relationship with both of those players, understanding exactly exactly how both of those players operate mentally, and the fact that you don't know how they operate mentally. Might as well get somebody that they're very close with to help them navigate through the season what calls to make. Yeah. Just all of the things that are hard to deal with those specific players. I I don't know, man. Like I, I think, I think Steve Nash, it'll work with him just because of the relationship that they have. And, and I've always enjoyed listening to Steve Nash talk basketball and just, he seems like a guy that uh, would, could, could make this work if anybody can. Yeah. Well, and I see it. I understand why you're saying that, but I also think about a guy like Deandre Jordan being in that Roger Murtaugh from lethal weapon, just, I'm too old for this. You know what? I see that happening here. <laughs> yeah. I can easily see that happening. And this is going to be hilarious. It's going to be hilarious for multiple reasons. This is going, I'm not going to say it's going to be the Hindenburg. I'm not even going to say it's going to be the Titanic. But this is a Benny Hill episode waiting to happen. I cannot wait because this lasts maybe a year. And then we're going to start getting all all the tea from the the Daily News is going to have, again, run different <laughs> anonymous quotes back and forth. And people are going to be sending shots at each other. This is going to be hilariously great, Walker. I cannot wait for this. Um, something else I wanted to talk about. Did you see Danny Ainge's comments on Kimba Walker? Oh, that he wasn't healthy? Yeah. He said that Kimba Walker was never really right the entire time in the bubble. And that begs the question, one, is this just Danny Ainge creating excuses again? Probably. Because Danny makes me roll my eyes as much as any GM or front office guy in the NBA. Just, you know, the, the classic joke is, you, you guys, I'm, I'm telling you, this is a player that I really wanted. But, you know, you know the, these people didn't didn't pull the trigger on the offer. And we exactly. know that the Charlotte Hornets have a special place in that kind of history. You know, is Danny Ainge creating an excuse here that Kimball Walker wasn't really 100% and that's why they lost the series when not, I got, I got to tell you, man, I mean, at the beginning of this postseason, we were all praising for the way that Kimball Walker looked. He looked mm-hmm. fresh to me. He looked like those step backs were good enough. 
Um, you know, I love Kimba and he was playing really well in the postseason, and we praised him for it. I mean, he was awesome, mm-hmm. but at the end, you know, there was some struggles for him and certainly in a decent amount of spots. And I don't know if I looked at him and said, man, he doesn't look right. He doesn't look, uh, he doesn't look injured I, or he doesn't look healthy. I, I, I didn't look at all of that and, and, and say, yeah, his body is banged up. Yeah. Um, you know, th- this is interesting in both ways to me, not because one, I feel like either Danny Ainge is giving us an excuse or oh, yeah, if, he, he is. If, if he's right, though, if he's right, then what the hell do you do going forward? Are, are, are you so are you so confident that Kimba Walker is going to be 100 percent healthy next season after nope. having a couple of years of injuries? And then it goes to the question of, OK, did the Hornets make the right decision? Even so, like I even think with, with Kimba having a good year, you know, we agree, or at least I agree that they made the right decision yeah, and started this rebuild sooner rather than later. And even with the money thing, I never thought it was too far off, but even it does it become more of the right decision not to give a smaller injured point guard that does rely on the explosive step backs and handles to drive by you. I mean, that that's not good. If Danny Ainge is right on this, then it certainly is um, It's scary for Kimba Walker going forward, especially with a team that didn't make the NBA Finals this season. No, right? I agree and, with and you. In six games. I mean, yeah, it's scary for them. No, no, that's I, true. I agree with you on this. And you know the scarier part is? I think there's a low-key part of Danny Ainge that realizes that he bought a car, a used car, and I love Kemba to death, but with a lot of tread on the tires already. Again, and there's just so much wear and tear that went. Kemba had to carry literally 11 other guys some nights to wins. And this is the cost of it. You paid a max contract for a guy that's going to be harder and harder to move because at some point those knees are going to give out. The only thing that worries me is Danny Ainge is the type of guy who one year into a contract will absolutely trade him. And I just don't want to see Kemba Walker get shipped off to somewhere like Oklahoma City because because of Danny Ainge and their incessant need to be as cutthroat as possible. Like, I just want Kemba to have a happy landing spot. And again, hopefully that landing spot at some point in Charlotte, Charlotte North Carolina. But I do worry <laughs> about the fact that this scene, this like they're ramping up to be like to make Kemba the scapegoat for everything that doesn't go right for them. And there's a whole lot of other guys that you can blame in that. System. I do think there is somebody ahead of him though. And Gordon Hayward being the bigger scapegoat, I think he would be used as the sacrificial lamb before Kimball Walker would be. And uh, I, I wonder what they do roster wise, if they feel like they need to make this big move or if they feel like just the first uh, round picks that they have, I believe they have the three first round picks. I believe they have the 14th overall selection, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe they feel like they can address some of the needs in the first round hit on somebody that can maybe help immediately and later on. Um, but, you know, even we talked with, I, th- I think it was Bobby Marks who said oh. that the Celtics just need to draft better. You know, people can praise them for Tatum and Brown all they want. But when you're talking about getting later into the draft, they've had a lot of first round picks mm-hmm. and who have they hit hit on? Because I don't see anybody that they've absolutely undoubtedly hit on. And so that's something that they're going to have to take care of. Um, and maybe Danny Ainge can just trade all those picks again, or maybe just so trade exactly. more picks. You know, who knows what Danny Ainge. Exactly. Again, he's going to say he tried to trade up to, to us for three and offered Robert Williams and Kemba back. And we just said no, because we didn't want again, because oh, that's some... not strong enough. That's not strong enough. He's going to say that he offered Jason Tatum and three first round picks for the third overall pick. You know, he's going to say that. That's, that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that Danny Ainge is going to go ham when talking about how they tried to move up with the Hornets and the Hornets just wouldn't do it. And instead we 
draft some bust that ends up not being all that great in the next five years. That wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again to you guys and rockauto.com for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA, really any show on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.